Well, praise God. I remember what it was. Okay, so <clears throat> for everyone out there watching or if you're in here and you do not have the, the Waterhole app for your phone, you really need to put it down. You need to download it, get it on there on your phone um, because they're, they're starting up again and uh, we got knocked off YouTube and uh, got a not didn't get knocked off. We got a, a, a strike. They, they struck me. And uh, <clears throat> so there, there's some things going on in the world, and they're, they're, they're tightening the screws down. And uh, I can just guarantee you, you know, I, I cannot keep my mouth shut. I am going to tell the truth. And so, you know, so the, the only thing we can do is try to go around the formats and do what we can. But if you have the app, then it's going through a different format, and it gives you other options to get it because, you know, uh, they went all the way back and, and gave me a strike on a message that I did in 21. So, um, you know, they're looking for stuff. So anyway, it doesn't make any difference. Really blesses me, really makes me happy. I do not want to be in their camp. I love that I could irritate somebody that had to try to give me a strike or shut me off, you know? I mean, it's like, to me, a badge of honor, you know? I mean, I, I, I like it. And uh, especially in today's times and what's going on in the world and what's going on with all the churches and denominations, I'm just mind boggled about what, what's taking place. And so, you know, I don't want to be in that camp, but I do want the broadcast to go. We're hearing great things going on. People are listening to the broadcast and being touched and blessed. And, and so I want it to keep going, but we're just having to, you know, do some moving and shaking to get around everything. Amen. But so be the times we live in, but we serve a great God. Okay. So uh, get your Bibles out. Throw that baby open just somewhere because I'm going to review a little bit. I'm going to finish this message. I've been talking about family business. I'm going to finish it today. And then because uh, <clears throat> Brother Ivan will be preaching next week and, and then I've got a couple other messages I'm going to get started on. So I'm going to try to finish this today. We'll see if it happens. But uh, I want to just review a little bit because, you know, I've been talking this whole message about God does. God is a God who who does things his way. He doesn't. He isn't taking votes in heaven and, 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 you know, and talking to the angels and seeing what they think and how's it, how do you think this would work and is this going to be okay? Is this going to go with that squad of angels? Are they going to be okay with it and maybe we can do that or, you know, whatever. No, no, no. God has got a way he's doing business and he's going to be doing business like that all the time. And so I started back this thing. The first thing that God's going to always be doing is God is a God of mercy. Everybody say mercy. God is always going to operate in mercy. He's always going to show mercy. Do you realize that this morning when the sun came up, give me this one, okay? I just like to say it like this. When the sun came up, God had a fresh new pot of grace and mercy for you. All right? When that sun crested, grace and mercy was fresh and anew today for you. All right? It's not old mercy. It's not old grace. It's not stagnant. It's not got cobwebs on it. It's brand new, fresh this morning. So you messed up last night. Bless God. Mercy was fresh and new for you this morning. When you mess up again, the next morning, mercy and grace is fresh and new for you again. God is a God of mercy. He's always going to. That's the way he does business. He's going to extend to you mercy. Do you realize that all the other uh, things that they call gods in the world, all the other um you know, whatever's out there that they 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 don't wake up in the morning giving their people mercy and extended mercy and grace to them. They wake up in the morning demanding more from you. Hello. 
You got to bring another sacrifice. You got to do something. You got to go through this. You got to go through that. But no, no, no. That's not the Bible. That's not the God of the Bible. He's a God of mercy. And that's the way he does business. So then he wants us to operate like that, too. Hello? Now, you know, I'm I'm as bad as anybody. I mean, the first thing I think about is grabbing the swords, you know, lop a few heads off. But God is a God of mercy. And so he corrects me. And he says, Robert, no, we got to operate in mercy. You know, give him a chance. And then I said, then? Then can we do it? I'm like, Peter, seven times enough? But anyway, <clears throat> that's why I'm not God. I'm just Robert. And so anyway, God's a God of mercy. The second thing we talk about is God is a God of abundance. God's never going to do anything small. He's not going to do anything low budget. Just think of that. He plunders all of Egypt, takes them out to the Red Sea, backs them up to the Red Sea, and then everybody's... Everybody's all up in arms and freaking out. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? And he said, I, just, I'm, I'm, I want to part the sea. He always does things big and he does things in abundance. Amen. Everybody say abundance. abundance. So he wants to make all grace abound towards you, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, so that you have an abundance for everything and an abundance for every good work. God wants us to operate our business as, a, as, as people that are blessings, not tight, not not holding back, not, you know, we, we're supposed to be blessings because our God is a blessing. Amen? Amen. So then the third thing we look for is there's only one God. All right. The third thing is there's only one way he's going to do business. There's only room for one. All right. And so you might as well quit trying to tell him how to do his business or quit trying to get the Holy Ghost to make it happen or trying to whisper to Jesus, would he please tell the father? All right. We might as well say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because you're not going to get anywhere trying to get God to do what you want to do. All right. So there's only room for one. So we preached on that. And then we got down into, let me see, what was the next one here? Um, <clears throat> where am I? Number four. Okay. He always has a direction for your life. He always has a direction for your life. Okay. That was the fourth one we did. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding and all of your ways acknowledge him. And then what does he do? He'll direct your paths. But if you're not trusting in the Lord, huh? Right? If you're not trusting in the Lord with all of your heart, if you're not, and if you're leaning to your own understanding, yeah? If you're not trusting in the Lord, you're leaning to your own understanding, you're trying to figure it out by your reason. I'm going to be doing another message uh, coming up about hearing the voice of God. I don't know what exactly I'm going to call it, but I'm going to be really, really delving into, are you following the voice of reason? The voice of your conscience or the voice of God? And you got to know, because God says, look, I don't want you to operate. I want you to trust in me. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear my plans and I will direct your paths. I will put you on the right path. I have a direction for your life. I have a path for your life. Amen. Okay. So I think we talked about that one. So that brings me to the fifth one. Okay. So the fifth point that I want to do here. And so here we go. Old Testament. Go to the book of Amos. Chapter 9. Amos 9, 14. Amos 9, 14 and 15. It says, I will bring back the captivities of the captives of my people, Israel, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards, drink wine of them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit of them. 
I will plant them in their land and no longer shall they be pulled up from the land in which I've given them, says the Lord God. God always wants to restore. One of the things I've always noticed in traveling around the world that it didn't make any difference what country I was in. If it was a third world country, you would walk into a building and in the building, it at one time was nice. At one time, it was you could tell that the the furnishings were nice. The, you know, the tile looked good. Everything looked good. If you'd have walked into it the day it was built, whatever year it would have been, it would have, you'd have walked in and said, wow, this thing's nice. But then over the years, no one did anything with it. There was never any restoration. There was never any, you know, real anything put back into it. The building literally sat there and just started to wither. And so when I was there, you'd walk into it and you're just like, ooh, this is, you know, this is bad. But there was a time it was good, Right. God doesn't want that in your life. God doesn't want you to become a Christian that you get saved. He blesses you. He touches you. Woo, man, you're all cleaned up and looking good. And then you just slowly from that point to the day you die deteriorate. I'm not talking about just physically getting older. I'm talking about you never have any growth. You never have any restoration in your life. You still, I mean, I've talked to people before, you know, Elderly people in nursing homes and things like that and could still sit there and tell me the things that happened to them in their 20s and they're still bitter about them. And I'm like, that is a long time ago. Uh, one of the saddest things, uh, and, and, and it's just, I was a young man. I was probably in my real early 30s at the time. And uh, I was in a nursing home and I was, I was preaching and uh, a lady was there and I said, ma'am, is there anything I can pray for you about? And she said, yeah, I want you to pray for my daughter. She's going through a lot of physical ailments and got a lot of physical things wrong with her. And she started telling me what they were and they're pretty serious stuff. And I was like, <laughs> and so I said, well, ma'am, how old is your daughter? And she said, well, let me see. Well, she just turned, uh, she just turned 78. And I'm like, because, you know, I'm thinking, I mean, you know, I'm 30. So what, what do I know? Right. And so I looked at the woman and I said, how old are you? And she said, well, I'm 96. And I'm like, man, I, I'm having a real hard time working up any faith, you know, because I was thinking her daughter, like, you know, she was 20. And she said, yeah, and pray for our relationship. When she was a young girl, we, we had some, some hard times and I, I, we never have really forgiven each other. And I thought to myself, then I was just like, <laughs> I mean, I, I, that is so long ago. How can you even remember what you were mad about? Right? But she knew she was mad. You see, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to come into our business and he wants to put a blot or put a, a, a mark or put a scar or put something in our, to our lives so that what happens to us is, is that we just keep that scar and just keep going and you just keep getting deteriorated and more deteriorated and the hole gets bigger and the, everything gets bigger and there's no restoration. There's no restoring to its former glory. Which is what God wants to do. He wants to restore you to your former glory. He doesn't want you to live with your house getting more and more and more dilapidated all the time. He wants you to see, he wants that restoration. It's what Amos is talking about. He said, I want you to go and I want you to build, I want to take the old waste cities 
and, and you're going to inhabit them. And you're going to clean them up and you're going to start to fix them, bring life back into it. And then you're going to, you're going to plant the vineyards and then you're going to get to drink the wine. And you're going to, you know, have, make the gardens. You're going to eat the fruit of them. We're going to see restoration going on and what's taking place. Amen. Look at another story. Luke chapter 13, verse 10. 13, 10. 13, 10. Now, as he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no wise raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to himself and said to her, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days in which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on one of them and not on the Sabbath day. When I was reading this, when I was reading this and, and I was just thinking about what an idiot. And, 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 I, and I got to wonder and I said, he says, you know, there's six days in which men ought to work. Come and be healed on one of them. But did they have services any other time in the six days? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they had daily service or not, but that was my question. I had myself. Was there even an opportunity for the woman to have come on Monday? Right. And then then I got to looking at this. And so maybe maybe I'll get a strike on this one. Uh, then I got to looking at this one and I got to thinking, isn't it interesting how the same spirit was that was then is now that they did not care about the person, the humanity. They didn't care about the, the they, they cared about their their ways of doing things. They did not care. The woman was healed. I mean, she, this woman all hunkered over and all of a sudden she's up, man. She's, you know, she's doing the chicken dance over there, bless God, in the sanctuary. And they said, that's terrible. She did six days in which men ought to work. ought to come on one of them. Nobody, these guys didn't say, whoa, man, old Sally got healed. Right? Because they didn't care about humanity. And that's what's going on in the world today. They don't care except for their, their ways. They don't care about who they hurt and their humanity. They don't care about that. It's the same spirit. So it's nothing new. And so anyway, it says, um, Then the Lord answered and said, Hypocrites, does not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? So ought not this woman who the daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he had said these things, all of his adversaries were put to shame and all the multitude rejoiced for the glorious things that had been done by him. Now, do you notice that he says the daughter of Abraham, in other words, she had rights. The daughter of Abraham, she had rights, but she's not been utilizing those rights for 18 years and Satan has bound her. So here's this woman, you know, I mean, I don't know what she had. I don't know what the issue was, but, you know, you can dream up all kinds of things. But the truth is, I don't know, but she's been over and then all of a sudden, boom, she's healed, delivered from the power of the devil. She was restored Y'all see that? That's what God wants to do in all our lives because somewhere in our lives we have bent over to the devil and got bound. Have any of y'all, I mean, y'all probably don't have this problem, but <clears throat> like I'm the kind of person that can feel good, like I feel strong. And then I reach over to pick something up and it doesn't have to be something heavy, but I can go pick something up and I'll feel this little twinge, this little shot goes up my back and I'm like, 
Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And then I got to do this little, you know, little, little, little crawl. Y'all, y'all with me here? Like, okay, oh, don't do that. Don't bend that away. Okay, take a deep breath. Okay, here we go. Oh, let's get this straightened out. Then I get, oh, then I feel it get straight and said, okay, now I got to go stretch a little bit. Okay, now I can pick that thing up, you know? That's the way I do things. I, I don't know. Pray to God you never have to. But anyway, I know that if my back grabs, Boy, I'm going to be bound. You with me? It's going to get in me. Sciatic nerves going to start to hurt. Something's going to be out. I'm going to be looking for somebody to get things popped back in line. Okay. Here's this woman been bound this way for 18 years. And the whole time, the family business that Jesus comes and shows them in church taking place was to set this woman free so she wasn't bound by the devil. She was restored. God wants restoration. But what the world's trying to do is adopt church into a church that accommodates all the people who are bent over. Right? Have y'all seen? I actually saw a pastor, nothing against the guy. I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't but I saw a pulpit a pastor had. And, and I don't even know how he got in this thing. It's saying. It's like one of those desks that they have at offices where you're not really sitting, but you're not standing. And somehow or another, you, I don't know what you call those things. Y'all are looking at me kind of crazy, but you, you kind of sit in like a bicycle seat. And then the thing leans forward like this. And you're like in this position. Well, this pastor's pulpit was like that. And I was like, how does he get in that thing? The whole time, I, I don't even know what the guy was preaching. I'm sorry. I was so distracted by just trying to see how that thing, because he had it. Had a big desktop on it and everything. I think it was an, like an office chair. But that's what the church is doing. We're bringing all of those in for the people who are bound, just trying to make them comfortable so they don't have to realize that they have been bound by the devil for 18 years. And it would be a whole lot easier to just give them a chair and heal them. Right. Well, glory. <clears throat> Keep in the Old Testament here. Go to the book of Joel. Joel chapter 1. Now, the unusual thing about the book of Joel is that Peter quoted Joel on the day of Pentecost in Acts 3 about uh, when the Spirit of God fell. So Joel was used in the New Testament as well as the Old Testament prophecies. But he was saying they were coming to pass there. But there's a scripture there in verse 7, Joel 1, 7. If you read it in the King James Version, I don't know if you got it in the King James back there. Good old authorized King James. It says, he hath laid my vine waste and barked my fig tree. Now, <clears throat> the first time I read that, it says stripped it bare, but King James says he barked my fig tree. I remember reading it the very first time I was, I was like, barked your fig tree. And I was trying to my mind to imagine what does it mean to get your fig tree barked? And so then I, then I got to researching it and, and then found out that what it says is that you, uh, yeah, there it is, barked his fig tree. And so what they did, they would go and they would strip the bark on the fig trees and pull it off and the fig tree is going to die, right? And so it was a way to ruin the land by barking the fig trees, bark like the bark on a fig tree. But when I read it, the first time I read it, it's one of those, you know, things that you really got to watch because you get a misinterpretation of it. I thought bark like bark like a dog, like that yeah, dog barked my fig tree. And I was like, I don't understand, Lord, how were we getting it? So then it stuck in my mind. 
So then I realized that this whole this whole verbiage here is talking about the devil coming into your life and stealing from you and and, and what the thief's job is to kill, steal and destroy so that he literally tore the bark off of your tree so that your tree, your life source begin to die because the bark is where all the source of life goes up into the tree to keep everything alive. Right. And to protect it from the things that are going on in the world. And so I realized that when the devil was messing with you. okay, to hurt you or harm you to do what he's supposed to do, kill, steal and destroy. He literally was going to bark your fig tree. So I began to pray this. I quit doing it after a while because everybody looked at me. It's like I was so crazy. I said, devil, you ain't going to bark my fig tree. Ain't barking my fig tree in the name of Jesus. I tell you, I plead the blood around my fig tree. You ain't barking on my fig tree. And everybody looked at me like, it guy's nuts. But I got it from here and it was sound doctrine. It just, you know, didn't, didn't communicate well. Anyway, so here again is something that's coming that God wants to restore. So if you go to Joel 2.25, he says what he's going to do. He says all of Israel, they sinned. They've turned from God. They've turned to the ways of the world. And so the devil's coming in and barking their fig tree. But then here's our God of restoration. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten and the crawling locusts and the consuming locusts and the chewing locusts and the great army for which I sent amongst you shall you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. So God always is about restoration. He does not want to anyway. The last part, my people shall never be put to shame. God never wants you at a down place. He always wants you totally restored to your glory. All right. So when the devil's attacking you, don't think that whatever you may have lost in life or have gotten barked. That God doesn't have the ability to restore it to you. Your pot, your confession every morning should be, Lord, I thank you for mercy. It's fresh and new to me today. Oh, Lord, thank you that you want abundance in my life. God, you are the only one. You're in charge. I'm not. This is the way you should be praying. God, I just declare right now that you're going to restore everything in my life. Everything's been stolen from me. Everything's been uh, been taken off. Man, I just, thank you, Lord. You're going to restore. You're going to restore. You're a God of restoration. It's what he wants to do in your life. OK, let me give you one more verse. Isaiah 58, 12. Isaiah 58, 12. And those from among you shall build the old waste places and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairs of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. God wants us as Christians today that everything our hands touch to prosper and that we operating in the family business are about restoring everything to its glory. Everything. Relationships can be physical things. But God says, I want restoration. I want there to be man. I want the relationships, the everything you've ever lost. I want it come back restored. And you got more friends now than you had before. Y'all don't seem too excited about some of that. I didn't like that guy anyway. I'm glad he's gone. (laughs) One less person had to invite. One less mouth to feed. No, God wants you to be restored. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be surrounded with friends and relationships and family. Hello? He wants to restore. And he doesn't want your fig tree bark. Everybody say, you're not going to bark my fig tree. You know, when you say that, you got to say that thing really country, and I ain't barking my fig tree. 
Try that. Next time somebody's trying to do something, say, man, you ain't barking my fig tree and see what happens. You say, how much did you say that is? And they say it again. You say, yeah, you ain't barking my fig tree. And just see, I bet they're going to say, okay, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what to think about that, but it'll work. Okay, so let me give you the last one. The last one. Go to James, the book of James, chapter 1, verse 16, about the way God does his family business. How many of you have ever done a business transaction? You know, it doesn't make any difference what it is. Buying a car, uh, a house, a trailer, anything. And, uh, you know, they bring the contract out. And you know right off the bat. You could read that thing for days and not going to understand what it says anyway. And you know it's all written in their favor, right? I mean, it could say usually in a contract, you're going to have to name your firstborn after me. And uh, you wouldn't know it, right? You just sign the thing because you're not going to look through all that stuff, right? And there's all this, always this, oh, then you go back in and say, oh, oh, well, you didn't read that? No, we don't do that. <clears throat> James 1.16 says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. Listen to me. God is, there's, there's no mystery. Listen to me. Everybody say, well, God moves in mysterious ways. No. Truth is, there's no mystery in God. He is pure light. Darkness can't be a part of his, his repertoire because he's light. And darkness will always be dispelled in light. God cannot do evil. He can't make evil happen because his goodness would destroy the evil, the darkness. And so every good and perfect gift that comes down from above in your life is from God. And there's no mystery about it. He's not so, um, so mystical that you cannot understand God. Sometimes we as humans have a hard time understanding just simply because we can't understand how he can love everybody. You know, something of this nature. How he allows people to, to use their free will. But what I'm saying to you is God is good. And there ain't no darkness in him. And there's no mystery that he's not hiding from you. He's not like, you know, up against the wall saying, get back and they might see me. No, he wants to be exposed to you. He wants to bring blessings into your life. He wants you to know him and have a relationship with him. The same God that created the heavens and the earth and all that are in wants to talk and be of a part of your life and your relationship. He wants fellowship with you. Blows my mind. I don't know why God wants to mess around with me. I mean, he's going to get some old country boy that's got some backwoods thinking and, and I, I, I maybe complain too much and... You know, I mean, why would he want to be around me? He's God. I mean, my gosh, he's God. But he does. You know, I think I've told you all this. The most, most awkward I've ever felt was when I was going through Bible school and uh, the uh, university wanted me on the board of directors. And I was like, dude, I, yeah, I don't have any business being there. So anyway, they begged me. And so I, I agreed to it. And and. Uh, so I'd go in these board meetings with all these high-end pastors. One of the pastors used to be on, before he got saved, he was on the, 
the what was it called? G G GQ magazine, the the men's magazine that was for like you know good looking guys, non pot bellies. You know they were on there, and uh, so uh, anyway, and there was all these. I mean, big dog pastors. You know, pastors thousand, two thousand. You know, member churches and stuff like that. Denominational pastors and you know real stuff shirted crowd. And then there was me, and. Uh, I mean, I never felt so uncomfortable in my life being around these people. We were so different. Our thoughts were so different. Everything was so different. Everything with them was about appearance. And everything with me was about truth. And, and I wasn't worried about appearance, you know. And uh, so anyway, I always had to, whenever there was any discussion about anything, I always had to think like two chess moves ahead. In the conversations, because like these guys are, they're just trying to maneuver for something. So what is that? It's difficult. It was always hard to just, you couldn't just sit down and say, hey, hey how's it going? And knew they are going to tell you the truth. Right? And so what I'm saying to you is God is not a God who wants to hide himself from you or have discussions with you like that. God is a God who wants to run the family business. He want, really wants to sit down and really wants to talk to you. He really wants to have a relationship with you, who you are, as goofy as you are, or as great as you are, as amazing as you are. God wants to sit down and, and have a conversation with you because you're you. That's the way he runs the family business. But we Christians tend to want a proxy to go in for us and talk to God because we're too nervous. We don't want to talk to him. You know, he's going to know something about me. He already knows everything about you anyway. And he still loves you. That's why I love him. He knows everything about me and still loves me. Still wants to have a relationship with me. Still wants to have fellowship with me. God knows everything, every crazy, every twisted, every bizarre thing and every bizarre thought you ever had. But God still loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. That is amazing to me. That this morning when I was up, you know, 530 out. Sitting in my chair, looking up the stars, talking to the Lord. He wanted to be there with me. He was waiting for me to get up. That blows my mind. Creates of the worlds and all they're in, but yet he wants to sit down and talk with me. Listen, God, there is no, in his family business, there's no mysteries, no hidden agendas. There's no anything like that. God is who he is. He's got goodness planned for you, and he wants to bless you with goodness. And quit listening to the devil or anything else. Let me give you the last scripture here. I'm actually going to finish early today. Go to Luke, Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. Story of the prodigal son, I want to pick it up in verse 17. I just want to show you this. Luke 15, 17, the, story, the whole story of the prodigal son, you know that you, you know it, you can go read it for yourself. But uh, the son's gone, the son comes to himself. That's where we pick it up right here in verse 17. He's been off, he's been out, he's been gone from his father's house and all the things that his father had for him. And then he went off and then now he's come back and it says, verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise, I'll go to my father, I will say to him, father, I have sinned 
and against uh, I have sinned against heaven and before you and no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now, do you see his thinking here? His thinking is not that God is good. His thinking is God has enough to take care of me. Hear what I'm saying? He's not in the James one that every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights from above and it's good and it's blessing is going to bless me. The son's thinking is I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've gone out there. I've spent my inheritance. I've wasted it out here. I've done this. I'm, I, I, I've, I've disgraced my life. What am I doing? I'm just going to go back. Daddy's got plenty and I can at least eat. That's his thinking. Do you realize how detrimental that thinking is to walking in a relationship with God? If that's your thinking right now today, like, man, you just want to slip into church, hear the message, slip out, get your, your attendance record that you were here, but you don't really want to talk to God because if he do, you, may, you're going, you figure you're going to be in trouble. That's not fellowship. That's not a relationship. But you want to, to keep close to him because he's got it. He's got the goods. That's what his son's thinking. Now, watch this. So he said, I'll rise and go to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven before you no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he arose and he came to the father. But when he was still a great way off, everybody say a great way off. Notice that a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now, how could he have seen him, lest he be looking for him a great way off? So then the father was had the binoculars up. Huh? Had the good ones. Had the Saborskis out. He's out looking, man. He's getting a clear field of view. Right? Looking to see. He's a great way off. Father saw him, and he had compassion, right? The grace and mercy of the Lord's fresh and new every morning. And then it does something here that blows my mind. He ran. The father ran. Why is it that <clears throat> Jesus tells this story, which is the way we should set how our relationship should be with our heavenly father, yet we twist this thing somehow and thank God sitting on the throne Saying, yeah, come on, I see you down there, sucker. You're going to make that long walk all the way up here, man. You're going to be kissing my foot because, bless God, I know what you did. Why do we have that attitude? Why do we have this thinking that God will not accept us back? God will not, if we turn to him, he's not going to be there for us. Why does the devil have any foothold to, to, to put that lie in us? But so many Christians, this is the way they feel about God. They don't want to have a relationship with him because they, he's going to just be mad at them. He's, they've done too much. How could he forgive them? And I know it goes back to, you know, bad childhoods and this and that and the other. But the bottom line is this story, he says, plain as day, he had compassion and he ran. God running to you. 
Listen to me this morning, church. God's running to you. God wants to restore everything in life with you. He wants to restore relationships with you. He wants to restore everything that there is going on in your life. He wants to bring you back to that very first place when you very first met him and, 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 and fell in love with him. He wants to restore all of that back. He's not hiding in the shadows. He's not making it mysterious. He's not wanting you to jump through hoops. All he's wanting you to do is come home. He'll do the running to you. Oh, man. That needed a better amen than I got. Because all he's wanting out of y'all is just to turn and go back to home. He's the one running. He's the one doing everything. He's the one going. To, that brings us to the next thing. And so the son goes into his story, right? He's going to give him the tale of woes. He said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. No longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said, you sorry rat. No, the father said to his servant, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. He didn't even talk to him about his thinking. He didn't even talk to him about it. He said, just tells the servant, bring out the best robe, not just a, you know, old used one. Bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat. And be merry, for my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost in his mouth, and they began to be merry. See, folks, I'm telling you this morning, there's no mystery. God's not hiding. The devil can't torment you and take you into these places of oppression and depression and all these areas and keep you bound there. God's not hiding. God is good. God wants to bless you. He wants to run the family business that way. He wants you to be so blessed that then you can go to the next person and say, Man, this is the way my daddy does business and be a blessing to them. Hello? And he's not waiting for anything but you to turn and come back. That's all he's waiting for you to turn your heart, repent and come back. And say, uh, what I did was wrong and I need to be this going this direction. And then he's running to you. Running, bringing the robe, bringing the ring. Amen? Amen? Let me tell you what, the devil is a liar. And he's lied and he's lied and he's lied and he's lied. He's lied to too many Christians. But I'm telling you, God wants you just to turn back and he's there for you. Amen. Amen. So put your Bibles up and if you would stand to your feet. <clears throat> I want to pray for you. But listen to me, church. <clears throat> you know, I see this in, in, in Guatemala. We, we rescue some children. We bring them in. They've been abused. And it's so hard at the beginning to get them to understand that we want to love them, we want to feed them, we want to help them. And that's all we want. We don't want them, they don't have to do anything in order to get fed. They're going to get food. We find that the kids, <clears throat> you know, they steal bread and then they have it under their pillow because they think oh, eventually the, 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 you know, the food's going to run out and i got to have a little. And so they, they, they pack and then eventually as they start to find one thing, listen to me, that everyone just loves them. That they just love them. That's what, that's what is such a beautiful thing at Casa Angelina is everybody down there so loves these kids. And then the kids love the other kids. And there's this spirit of love that just destroys everything. Just destroys all the strongholds the enemy has and just destroys it. And, and I've so seen that so many times and I thought about, oh my, if it was like that in our churches, that truly people would see how much God loves them.
and that God's willing to run down the road to meet them, to bless them before they ever get back, before they ever give your spill of why you did what you did and you wouldn't have done it if this wouldn't have happened. Before you were ever given the spill, God is there to love you and restore you and bring you into a healthy, good place with him. If we could grab that revelation, oh, how free we would be, how blessed we would be as people. And so I want to pray that for you today. I want to pray over you. And I ask you, I, I encourage you, go back and look at this message and, and, and let the spirit of God keep birthing it in you and bring it about in you. If you deal with those issues, you know, we have freedom prayer. You can go through freedom prayer to help you become to understand that God loves you because it's the one thing that will destroy every, every obstacle and roadblock in your life. Amen. So I, I want to pray, but let me have the prayer team. If you're, if you're on the prayer team today, come down and be here. We're going to pray. We'll, we'll, we'll pray with you. Any of you need prayer for anything. I don't care if your dog's sick or if your dog literally barked your fig tree. We're going to pray restoration over it this morning. But if you're in here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're, you're, you came, maybe today's the first time you've ever been here. You're watching today for the very first time and you don't know that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life. You don't know for sure. If you died, you'd go to heaven. Well, the Bible says you can because this God is such a good God. He said, Jesus is the answer for you. And our prayer team's up here and they will pray with you. If you're out there in the listening audience, listen to me just right there. Call out on the name of Jesus. And ask Jesus to come in your life. Just tell him. Say, Jesus, I love you. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died for me. I believe you, you rose from the dead. Forgive me of my sins. And he will touch you right there, right there where you're at. But I'm going to pray for you now. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I just pray that today, oh, Heavenly Father, that there is restoration beginning in people's lives, that they're coming to see that the devil is the one that wants to oppress them, wants to hurt them, wants to keep them down, wants to have them bound for 18 years like that woman. But today, Lord, just like you did in that service that day, and you said, loose her and let her go. I declare today people are loosed from that bondage. They are loose from that oppression. They are loose from believing that God doesn't love them. They are loose from the lies that the enemy has sown in their life. And I believe today under the, by the power of the living God that the anointing of God touches each and every person, no matter where you are, no matter if you're watching, listening, or you're in this service today. And that Lord, today we will never ever be the same. Because, God, we're going to see things differently. And I praise you for that power of restoration in people's lives. And, Lord, restore us to glory so that, Lord, we can be a blessing to everyone in this world. Everyone that comes around us will say, why are you so happy? And we can say, because Jesus Christ restored my life. And, Lord, I praise you for that. Bless them now, Lord. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.